Longest Day is a podcast from a female-founded destination practice that believes that crisis isn't an if, it's a when. We are an organization unafraid of crisis, but have never known one to be resolved in a single day. However long the day or night that gave rise to the crisis in the first place, there's always something we can learn. I'm Leah, the founder and CEO of Broadstairs Consulting, a problem-solving consultancy offering crisis and governance advisory services to help leaders and organizations thrive and flourish. We operate in the gap between legal and public relations, at the coalface of difficult situations, believing that most crises are avoidable and the impact of inevitable ones usually can be mitigated. Our guests have overcome a litany of crises. Many of our guests have worked with us in some capacity in the past. All of them have stories worth hearing, We trust them to make this worth your while. We hope it helps you trust us. Today, we welcome the former mayor of Liverpool, Joanne Anderson, who made history as the first directly elected black female mayor for a two-year term between 2021 and 2023. Having worked as a business consultant, a diversity and inclusion advisor, and a civil servant at the Crown Prosecution Service for most of her professional career, Joanne joined the Labour Party in 2015, and served as a local councillor in 2019, becoming mayor two years later. Her tenure covered a particularly challenging period. The mayoral leadership contest alone took place under a cloud of recriminations. There were also a spate of fatal shootings which left four dead, including a nine-year-old child. And she inherited an enormous budget deficit. However, Liverpool did win the rights to host the Eurovision Song Contest on behalf of Ukraine during her tenure. Jo was proud to represent Liverpool and had the best and worst times whilst mayor. Well, Joe, thank you so much for being willing to come on The Longest Day. Thank you, Leah. Well, perhaps you might like to tell our listeners about your longest day. So I was uh, mayor of Liverpool uh, from May 21 to 23, and there was a couple of days that, you know, were were really heavy. Um, I'll talk about one, um, but not... Not a lot I can learn from that one, but there uh, there's another one I can talk about uh, as well. There's been two days um, whilst I've been in office that three women have been murdered in a day, um, some of them children. And so that was really politically, uh, there was nothing I could prepare myself for that. And whilst I'm not responsible in that sense, when you lead the city, you feel responsible Um, All you can do is reach out to the families, see what they need, you know, work with our agencies who are fantastic in Liverpool in terms of dealing with crimes like this. But um, that I was not unprepared me for that. And we've had a terrorist incident at Liverpool. I felt prepared for that. I know it sounds weird, but when you step up to go and say, you know, I'm going to go for the job of being leader of the city, them sorts of scenarios go through your head, but the women being murdered, they've just been, you know, nothing I could do from that, um, from what I felt and how hate I feel our city feels when that happens. Um, absolutely awful. Um, in terms of sort of career as and professionally, you know, we were taken over from a bad situation. Everything that was thrown at us was difficult and problematic. We had commissioners in. I had a, a I had a diverse cabinet, but some of us were quite inexperienced. And so everything we dealt with from the moment we got in 
um, you know, into power, you know, from UNESCO being taken, World Heritage Stations being taken from us, you know, loans at Everton Football Club that hadn't been agreed, plots of land that there was no agreement on, you know, just everything was problematic. Um, but we were felt like we were dealing with things. Now, when I went for the interview of the job, um, you know, I was asked about the rifts within the Labour group. And I said, I'm not going to pretend I'm going to tackle that. I'm not going to pretend I'm going to be able to tackle that. I'm only standing up for this one term. I am only reaching out and doing this for our city because our city's in crisis politically at the time. But, you know, I pretty much was going to leave the Labour Party to their own devices. I see myself as temporary and giving us an ability to regroup and start again. And so... um, the Labour Party, the local Labour Party, whilst we're working with me, weren't working, really working against me, but we had a big fall now over a green bin charge and, you know, a few people in power uh, who've got very powerful positions in the group turned gangster on me. There's, there's not more to be said from that. So what I was dealing with um, this one day going into work, that um, our energy contract, it was just when the energy crisis kicked off, our energy contract could have been sorted six months before. There was a problem with the paperwork. It was kind of redone again. And anyway, the, the cut-off point with Scottish Power was a point about three weeks ahead. Anyway, Scottish Power withdrew their, uh, their offer. Um, the local newspaper reported it as costing us £16 million. Liverpool City Council doesn't just contract energy for itself, it contracts energy for schools and other places. So that was quite horrific. Um, and it was the reporting of it was horrific because it was just making more of it than, you know, it was it was already bad. They were just making it worse. Um, but that morning, I'd had a mammogram a couple of weeks before. That morning, I got a letter saying that I need to be called back from a mammogram. And I didn't really think of it as serious uh, at that point because you get called back for other stuff. hate to go into detail, but for smears and stuff, you get you get called back for. But then I read it and it said, you know, you will need to take painkillers before. And I was like, oh, this doesn't sound good. So I wasn't in a good mindset dealing with that about the, the, the contract. And then the Labour group wanted a kangaroo course. They wanted me and the, my deputy, who was the finance lead, to sit at the front of the chamber while they just hailed abuse at us, basically. And, you know, your Labour group or your group are supposed to support in situations like that. How can we deal with this? How can we communicate it? You know, you know what can happen? The fact that everyone was kind of against us at that time was just making it more difficult. And I can only compare it, like I dealt with a lot of problems and a lot of negative press. I knew I was thick-skinned and that's why I stood up for the role. But because of what I was going through personally as well, I had to just, I can only describe it as being fetal position and just taking the blows. And that's literally how I got through them next couple of weeks. It was really a bad situation. Look, the, the finance director and the chief executive both had to go over this it's not was not acceptable to be in that position and it did get wrapped up in you know the energy crisis and all the fear and anger everyone was feeling around that and also that the um you know the Scottish power did withdraw the contract if they hadn't withdraw the contract we wouldn't have been in that position it's just that there'd been ample time previously now on some of my reflections what I learned about it you know my cabinet the the and you know we have 
we were doing the political comms. Um, we blamed officers straight. So it was an officer mistake. It wasn't a political decision. It was an officer mistake. And when I look back, I, I kind of regret that a little bit. I walk into the organisation and I feel that everyone felt awful about it. Of course they do, you know, because it did feel like we were not winning, that's too strong a word, but we were getting over a bad time and it was like we were getting to a new dawn and this gave us a big, you know, setback. Um, I just think as a leader, you, you know, you congratulate the staff for when it goes well and you take responsibility for when it goes bad. So, you know, it was on me and political leader in the sense that I had the power to hire and fire in terms of my leadership team. I did take those actions, you know, actually the, you know, the finance director resigned and, and so did the chief executive. Uh, I realised that we couldn't carry on the way we had done. We needed new leadership for it. And, you know, that happens as a result of it. So I couldn't change what happened. Mm. I could only react to it, and I did. But I just think, you know, my biggest learning is credit staff for when things go well, take responsibility for when things don't. What, if anything, prepared you for that kind of perfect storm of a day? Everything had been a perfect storm up until then, you know. So every day in office had been some, you know, some nonsense I was dealing with. Some, you know, taking the kinds of the hit for the previous mayor's decisions over and over again. You know, anyone who's watching closely, you know, will say to me now, Joe, jo, you've done a great job. You turned the fortunes around for our city. You know, I am really pleased about that, you know. Um, a developer I met recently who's just bought the Albert Dock, you know, said five years ago we wouldn't touch Liverpool. So, you know, there are things I can go, you know, I'm really pleased about that. And I remember this um, journalist at Labour Party conference in Liverpool last year and he says, how's Liverpool? And I said, well, don't you know how Liverpool's doing? And he thought about it for a moment. He was really thoughtful and he said, well, the truth is we don't have to watch Liverpool anymore in the way that we did. And so, I, you know, that's on me and my cabinet. We changed that around. I'm really delighted that each day was filled with a mountain of problems from morning till night. And to be honest, the new chief executive that we got as an interim, um, Theresa Grant, she gave me decisions, you know, she gave me options to make decisions rather than problems. And that really was really enjoyable for me. That's when my job started getting a whole lot easier. She come to me with options rather than problems. And as a political leader... Your job is to make decisions, not to deal, you know, your officers mm. to do that really. Mm. So uh, Theresa was phenomenal and I wish we'd have more time together because I only got half a term, I only got two years rather than four. Um, yeah, the difference uh, we made. But on saying that, the Liverpool City Council, Liverpool City is in better shape and I'm really proud of that. It's great to have a legacy like that. Are you feeling stuck? Has conflict got you down? Have you considered mediation? Mediation is a confidential and flexible way to resolve conflicts. 86% of all mediations end in a solution, saving time, money, and stress for all involved. Thanet Mediation Centre, a Broadstairs consulting initiative, offers mediation services to individuals and organisations in Thanet, Kent, and further afield. For more information or advice, email us at info at broadstairsconsulting.com. We are here to help you move forwards. As you and the chief executive were turning things around, what is it that you were able to value in the people on your team? 
it's it's ridiculous in politics because you have to kind of value loyalty. It's not something you know you you don't need people to be loyal to you in your day job normally, and it, you know you don't need people. You know I've worked with lots of people um, that I didn't particularly like, don't particularly like me, but you respect each other, and that's fine. In politics, people are just hell-bent on doing each other in. So people not doing you in, I know that's a low mm. benchmark, but people not in and gangster on you or going against you is actually a bare minimum. That's actually all you need, you know? So in terms of um, the team around me, and don't get me wrong, I went into politics, you know, not trusting anyone because you just, you, you know, you get hurt by those people you trust. Actually, you don't trust anyone. But there's a couple of people um, who were in my cabinet who would, stick by me through thick and thin and that's really kind of what you need when you're making really tough decisions but you know I'm I'm not typical as a politician in kind of a very male-dominated political world you know I make decisions collegiately you know ask people's opinion the book stops with me and I will make decisions even if people are against it if I think it's the right thing but you know I work collegiately I did change from when I first started I remember speaking to um Claire Hamilton, who works for the BBC, a, a local press post. And I was going, well, it's not all about me. And she was like, well, yeah, it is a little bit. People want to hear from me. And I was going, well, now I've got a team of people and, you know, a leadership team and a cabinet. And then towards the end, when you get in politics, there's other people staying your credit and your work. I'm like, make sure they know it's me who's done that. And, you know, I'm really kind of a little bit irritated with, about Eurovision. Um, you know, people thanking, the men around me thanking each other for a decision that I made. Um, and that's how women get written out of history. And, you know, and how black people get written out of history, you know, like, wow, I like, I'm witnessing being written out of history. So, um, you know, it was a tough decision to make Eurovision. We were facing an £80 million budget gap at the time. Commissioners were against us going for Eurovision. We had a kind of fight with them. But everything, you know, we'd just come over that energy crisis thing and, you know, uh, the cost of living, everyone was really, you know, it was a terrible time. And I just thought, if we don't go for something like this, then everything's just bad. You know, we're really good at this as a city. Claire McCulkin, our director of culture, is phenomenal and, you know, done a fantastic job, the culture team. Um, We can handle massive large events. Like, we have the Grand National, you know, we do really big events well. And we're really passionate about social justice. So, in a way, we were perfect to do it on behalf of Ukraine. Um, so me saying yes to that, the fact that other people are taking credit for it, if it had gone really badly, I'm pretty sure my name has come up all the time. So it ended up, there was, and you know what? I'd say I couldn't sleep leading up to your division. I kept thinking if anything goes wrong, if there's critical incidents, mm. if, you know, if people have a terrible experience or, you know, the, the, you know, the big stage at the waterfront gets blown away by the winds. You know, they're the kinds of things you're thinking of. To think other people don't have them sleepless nights but can take credit for your work is quite worrying. But, um, yeah, three arrests that were for very minor things and we had all them visitors and we had such a fantastic time. And the show went on oh, even yeah. though there were stri- train strikes. So, yeah, I mean... yeah. Well, I did. I remember phoning Mick Lynch and going, come on, Mick, pick, a, pick another date, will you? And he was going, well, it's nothing to do with that, Joanne. But you see, as a political leader, you know, I don't get involved in the detail. I set out my framework of how I wanted it to be. But, I, you know, I didn't get involved in programme or anything like that. But um, every now and again, is there anything I can do to help? Yeah, can you phone Mick Lynch and see if he'll change the change? Strike day? Didn't get anywhere, but I had to go. What did you learn about yourself in your two years as mayor? 
So reflecting on lots of different things and I've been trying to write these up and then I've got a little bit bored of it and can't be bothered and work's getting in the way and taking over. I'm not, um, I wouldn't class myself as a writer really, but I've got a list of um, sort of lessons and uh, they're sitting there on my computer. So um, one of them is about being able to look myself in the mirror. And so I'm confident I've done the best I could at the time with the resource I had in place to do the right thing. And, you know, pressurised to, I don't know, operate in a different way. I wasn't prepared to lower my values. I'm not prepared to be two-faced, you know, and actually you kind of have to be a bit two-faced as a politician. You have to pretend to like people you don't and stuff like that. And I'm not prepared to do that. But what I can do is look myself in the mirror when I go to bed. I stood up for my city in a time of peril. I've got no political ambition. You know, it's not politics is... I was in, involved in politics when I was in my early 20s, but this was very much about the situation in my city. I've no desire to be in crisis management. You know, I took over at a really bad time um, and other people have asked me to go for positions on boards of, you know, really serious organisations. Like, I have no desire to be, continue to be uh, the stereotype of a strong black woman who fixes everything. You know, Send, send them my way. Yeah, I'll send them your way. That's not, that's not what I want for my life. <laughs> And last question, if you had to live that very stressful longest day again, what food would you choose to fuel it? Something with sweet potato. Sweet potato, I always feel good after sweet potato. Like I've had something bad, but it's it's good for you. You know, so I've slow got release the, carbs. Yeah, yeah I've, I've had I've had a bit of sweetness. It's like it's like eating chips, but feeling okay about it, isn't it? Maybe chips and fruits. That's what it kind of feels like. So I love anything with sweet potato mash, sweet potato fries, sweet potato whatever, uh, sweet potato pie that we had in America last year, which was phenomenal. Um, so yeah, I do you know what? I'm really lazy as a cook. I don't cook. Um, um, I avoid it like the plague. But I do a really nice jerk chicken with sweet potato wedges and coleslaw and if I could if I could be bothered cooking that that would be the meal I'd like to come home to well that's amazing oh you're making me hungry (laughs) Uh, well thank you so much for sharing your insights on your time in office and thank you so much for joining us on the longest day thank you Leah you've been listening to a Broadstairs Consulting Limited podcast We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Tune in soon to hear the next instalment of The Longest Day. Copyright 2023. Production copyright. Broadstairs Consulting Limited. All rights reserved.